Uh, I don't usually dress this nice. But uh, it's not just because I'm preaching. I have to run to a wedding after this, right afterwards. But, but I thought, I, you know, two birds with one stone. I'd dress up nice and encourage you guys as well. Um, oh, you're welcome. Today we're going to talk about uh, the courage to be like Jesus. The theme is Courageous Singles. And I'm going to highlight some of the singles in our ministry. But what we're going to talk about is really the courage to be like Jesus, which across the board, whether you're married or single, goes for all of us. Amen? Uh, as Brian said, I just got married about two months ago now, almost two months ago, and I'm learning a lot. Uh, one of my, my uh, things that I'm learning are the, the movies that my wife likes to watch. So, of all my swearing up and down that I never would, I watched Twilight the other night. And all the, all the brothers said, you know it's going to happen to you. And I said, no, bro, that'll never happen to me. Sure enough, I watched Twilight. Um, you know, but I, I encouraged her, and, and she got to watch one of my movies last night. Last of the Mohicans. I love this movie. Uh, when I was a kid, it came out, I was, you know, 10 or 11 when it came out, uh, back in, like, you know, 1990 or 1901 or whatever. But it, it was one of the coolest movies to me because I always wanted to be an Indian. And this guy was a white guy who was an Indian. And I was like, yes! Somebody made a movie about me. You know what I mean? I was fired up. Um, but I, what I love so much about this movie is the courage that we see in this movie. You know, we see this character, Nathaniel, just fighting for those who are in need. Fighting, willing to sacrifice his time, his life. Put down his priorities for those who are in need. Willing to fight for the beauty, Right? The romance in his life. He's willing to fight for something. He has courage. And we admire and we, we're inspired by men of courage. We love movies where men are courageous. It stirs something in us to fight for something. We wonder why people do all these amazing tasks. You know, why do people hike Mount Everest and jump off, you know, base jump off these huge cliff faces? And why do people do these things? There's a longing for greatness in all of us. That's put there by God. And if it's directed in the right way, God wants to use us in powerful ways. God wants to do, call us to a courageous life. Amen? You know, what is the aim of our Christianity? Is this on yet? We good to go here? What, what is the aim of our Christianity? What is the aim of your Christianity, of your discipleship? Is forgiveness of sin and getting to heaven the aim? Is discipleship or Christianity kind of a retirement plan for you? That you've got that box checked off? Is it becoming a quote-unquote better person who doesn't cheat, steal, or have to lie, or so that you can like yourself more? Kind of a self-help program. Is it to have the security of the good life, a faithful marriage, good children, strong character, things that benefit you? To live outside of the world because you know it's empty. And so you can avoid the pain of the world and sin. Is the aim of Christianity to have really good relationships? What is the aim of Christianity? Is it to just give you something good to do? A purpose? What is the aim of your discipleship? Shouldn't it be the aim of our Christianity is to have a righteous relationship with God? Shouldn't that be our aim? 
But really, when we think about it, only two men in all of history had a perfectly righteous relationship with God, right? The first one was Adam, and the second one was Jesus. And it was glorious. It was free from shame. It was, it was just com- complete connection with God. And yet we know that Adam fell and took with him any chance that we had on our own to have that righteousness with God. And so God sent Jesus to show us, to set us an example of how to have the right relationship with God. How to come back into that perfect relationship with God. How to redeem, the Bible says, our intended nature to be with God. And you know, this takes great courage. The Bible says in Romans 5, verse 19, For just as though through the disobedience of one man, talking about Adam, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of one man, the many will be made righteous. And so the aim of Christianity is to know God through Christ Jesus and to become more and more like Jesus and in doing so, know God more and more. Amen? But this is going to take a lot. This is going to cost us everything. It takes great courage to do this. Two points. Uh, It costs everything, but you'll receive even more. Amen? Uh, I almost put in there, don't be dumb. It costs everything. Don't act dumb. You know, sometimes I can kind of act dumb. Like, oh, gosh, this is so hard. Why do I have to do this? Well, because Jesus said it costs everything. And he was very upfront about that, right? We read Luke uh, 9.23. He says, you know, it's going to cost you your life. You're going to have to lose your life. In Luke 13.33, he says, it's going to cost you everything. But we we lose sight of that. We lose track of that sometimes in our comfort as Christians, right? But this is the cost that Jesus said, hey, it's going to cost you everything. But don't we really want to lose our lives? Isn't that why we became Christians? Isn't that why you gave Jesus lordship of your life? Because you didn't want to have control over it anymore. You didn't want to have the steering wheel. You needed somebody else to give your life to. And for me, I was completely lost. I had tried to give my, my life to religion in the past. And had gone to church and gone on missions teams and gone to church every, every week and midweeks. And, but never really gave my life to Jesus or to, to discipleship. So I was still empty. You know, I gave my life to just diving into the world. And I, just drugs and immorality and just trying to soak up as much pleasure as possible. And I didn't find it there either. You know, I, I even took, took it upon myself to drive 3,000 miles away from my home and family to start all over again. But still there I was, lonely, sad, purposeless, hopeless about the future, still was hanging on to my life, and I needed to get rid of my life. And Jesus says, hey, if you want to be a disciple, it's going to cost you everything. You're going to have to get rid of your life. You know, I felt stuck in the cycle of me. I'm just going to be me for the rest of my life, and everywhere I go, there I am, right? And it wasn't until really I sat down and studied the teachings of Jesus, and studied the discipleship of Jesus, and the brothers helped me with what it means to really follow Jesus. Things change for me. And some of us are there now. It was scary. I remember studying the Bible. It was uncomfortable. It was awkward, right? 
They were asking you to do stuff and say stuff that you were like, what? They want me to talk about what? I remember studying out sin and how scary, how challenging that was. And it was like, I've never told some of this stuff to my buddies in my, you know, most intoxicated moments. Why would I tell you? I've known you for like two weeks. But they wanted me to get open. And they showed me in the scriptures where I, I needed to be, where I needed to walk in the light. You know, it, it, it was scary, it was uncomfortable, but that's what, meant to, that's what it meant to repent. That's what repentance is. It's scary, it's uncomfortable. And if you are comfortable today, then maybe you're really not repenting. Maybe there's areas of your life that, like if, if church has become routine for you, if you're not being called to be courageous in some area of your life, if you're comfortable, if it's a good life for you and you're comfortable in it, Perhaps there's areas that you are not repenting. Perhaps there's areas that we need to look at today. Amen? But some of us are there. Some of us are disciples and we're still holding on to bitterness. To hurt relationships. We're saying, you know, God understands. This person hurt me so bad. And they need to know. And they need to feel hurt too. And I'm going to pull my heart back because they hurt me. And who's going to help them with their sin? And we hang on to this bitterness. And we say, God, you know, God, He understands. You know, some of us are struggling with impurity. And we're saying, God knows I'm weak. God knows this is a struggle for me. Some of us are struggling with, uns- with just selfishness and unwillingness to serve the needs around us. And we say, God doesn't see. Some of us are struggling and, and really not sharing our faith, sharing the good news about Jesus. And we say, God knows my heart. I say, Amen, every time the Great Commission is preached at church. But some of us are, are, are stuck. And we feel this, and we're getting, we've gotten comfortable. And we're not, a, we're not facing things that really put fear in our hearts. That really scare us to deal with. That you go, wow, this is going to be really hard. I mean, this is going to be challenging. I don't know if I can do this. But that's right where Jesus wants you to go. That's right where God is trying to change your character to be more like Jesus. Amen? You know, Jesus said holding, holding to his teachings is going to give you the truth. And that truth is going to set you free. But it takes great courage. It takes great courage to hold to the truth. You know, as, just as much as when you study the Bible now as a disciple, it's going to take great courage for us to hold to the truth. The courage to be like Jesus. To say, no more will I give in to impurity. No more will I deal with my emotions in this ungodly way, but I'll deal with them through vulnerability, through prayer, through surrender. I'm going to do it the way Jesus calls me to do it. I'm going to deal with my emotions righteously. I'm not going to medicate in this way. No more will I give myself the right to be angry and bitter at somebody for what they've done to me. But I'm going to choose to love that person, to serve that person, to overcome the evil, right, with good. Not the evil outside of you, not the person's evil, the, per- the evil inside of you. The evil that you're struggling with. The bitterness, the anger, the, the want for retaliation. That's the evil inside of our hearts that Jesus says. It comes out of our hearts. But you've got to overcome that evil. That takes great courage. It takes courage to say, no more will I give myself the excuse of being hurt in the past to stop me from serving now. 
I don't know what it's going to mean. I don't know what God's going to do with me. I don't know what challenges I'm going to face, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to step in. I'm going to see the need, and I'm going to meet it like Jesus would. No more will I allow myself to give in to the fear of rejection or people thinking I'm the weird guy at work because I share my faith. But I'm going to speak up about the good news of Jesus that Will talked about, that Hakan talked about. I appreciate Hakan's conviction to go there and to go, hey, look, these are the people I'm going to talk to. I'm going to, I'm going to take a stand. I have this window of time. Here I go. And Hakan did not know what the results were going to be, right? But he went for it. It takes great courage to do those things. It takes great courage to say, no more am I going to be a people pleaser. But I'm going to confront people about their sin. And if they're calling themselves a disciple, and I'm calling myself a disciple, well then, we're going to call each other to this discipleship of Jesus. Amen? You know, nobody wants to have a, 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 a Christianity or a life that's defined by bitterness or giving into fears or struggling habitually with different sins. Nobody wants that life. We want a life of courage, right? We want a life that goes, man, my life, I, I took on the fears. I said, this is what scares me most, and here I go. This is what I'm going to do. Now, I appreciate some of the singles in my ministry, Nalini, uh, older sister in our, our ministry. And she, you know, she was, she's been working a job for a while that's really caused her to struggle and spiritually struggle and miss, miss the meetings of the body and struggle with her health. And she quit her job. Didn't have another job lined up. But he said, you know what? I'm going to pursue the kingdom of God in my heart, the kingdom that's in my heart. Between me and God, I'm going to pursue it first. And God just blessed her with another job. God took care of her. And I appreciate Todd Rankin, who, you know, there was a need. One of our, some of our leaders are moving, and we had some change in, in our leadership for our small groups. And Todd said, he called me and said, you know, one of the rare calls that I get, hey, I'd like to lead that group. I said, all right, let's do it. But Todd saw a need, and he said, I'm going to step in. He said, I don't even know what to do but I want to do it. I said, Todd, here's what it's going to mean. He said, man, that's a little scary. Okay, but here we go. And he just went for it. And Todd, Todd's doing a great job. His group is unified. They're growing. It's a great group. I hear, I hear a lot of good news coming out of Todd's leadership in that group. And I appreciate Kike. Kike has struggled in the past with, with being confrontational, with sharing her heart, with sharing her hurts that she gets. But Kike has grown so much. And being willing to be vulnerable, to be real, to be honest with people. And her relationships are transforming because of it. And I appreciate Will Lopez. Will was up here earlier. And we've talked about just some of the roadblocks in Will's life, in our D times, and in his heart, and his struggles with trust. But Will is going after this concept of Jesus wants me to become more like him. And so I've got to deal with these things. I've got to deal with them to become more like Christ. That's why I gave Jesus lordship of my life. So I'm going to deal with these things. I'm going to go there. And if you're not a Christian or you're visiting with us, you may not feel very satisfied with your life. That may be why you're here. The thing that's going to change it for you is Jesus. is giving Jesus lordship of your life. Of following Jesus' teachings. You know, the teachings that say forgiveness instead of hanging on to bitterness. The teachings that say selflessness instead of always trying to compete and win. The teachings that say humility and sacrifice. Rather than, rather than self-service. These are the things that change our lives. It takes great courage to go there. You guys with me? We're going to look at a passage here. Hebrews 12. You guys feel far away. 
There's, there's this huge chasm right between us. I've got to find my notes here. Hebrews 12. I lost my Bible on my honeymoon. And so, uh, and so the first night, um, so the, next, the next, next place we stayed, we were traveling, so the next place we stayed, I took the Gideon's Bible out of the hotel. And I, I've been using it ever since. It's great. Um, but I didn't realize, I, I read this the other day, it says, please do not remove this Bible from the hotel. And I thought, well, thank God for grace. Amen? I could send it back. That's right. Thanks for telling me that. Just a little accountability right there for me. Okay, Hebrews chapter 12. This is one of my favorite passages because it's spoken to me so many times over so many different struggles in my life. It has been, it has just comforted me. It has encouraged me. It has challenged me. It has inspired me. It is my, one of my top three passages in the Bible. But in verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author. The New Translation says the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider Him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Have you? And you have, and you have forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. And do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons and daughters. Amen? For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father, the God of our spirits, and live. Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our own good that we may share in His holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, right? But painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. What are you focusing on today? Who are you focusing on today? You know, you're, you're a disciple and you're saying, man, I'm, I go to church. I have my quiet times. I meet with somebody once a week and vent all my woes. You know, but I'm still not happy. I'm still, I'm still struggling with my just contentment and my own peace. And What are you focusing on today? Who are you focusing on today? What is the aim of your Christianity? What is the aim of your discipleship? Is it to become more and more like Jesus? You know, it takes courage to decide to obey Jesus rather than your fallen nature. It really does. 
And, and, and this is where the real healing happens. When we fix our eyes on Jesus, the Bible says when we consider Him, when we're faced with the challenging things in our character, when we consider Him, when we're faced with the fears that we don't want to go through with, when we consider Him, that's where the real healing happens. I'm all for the self-help programs and the, the psychoanalysis stuff that goes on. And I've taken part in different help groups that have really helped me out a lot. But the things that have healed me the most is discipleship. Is going, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to do it because Jesus said to do it. That's changed my life. I'm sure it's changed your life too. Is it still changing your life? Are you still facing those things that make you uncomfortable? That put fear in your heart to do? That's the life of courage. That's the life that God wants you to have. The courage to become like Jesus in that way. You know, the Bible says some really challenging things here, right? Verses 4 through 8 or so, it says there's suffering, there's discipline, there's punishment, there's pain. How do you feel about your, your current struggles? How are you viewing the things that you're wrestling with right now? Do you feel punished by God? Do you feel like you're suffering too much? Do you feel like you're being disciplined? Are you making light of the lessons God is trying to teach you? You know, Abraham Lincoln, he had this quote, he said, uh, you cannot escape the responsibility of tomorrow by evading it today. Just meaning that whatever it is you've got to deal with, it's going to come up. If you don't deal with it sometime, it's going to come up later on, right? And we've all, we've all had those things where it just, it just repeats itself later on because we didn't deal with it in the right way when we had the, the chance to. When God was showing it to us, we just kind of white-knuckled it rather than really persevered by following Jesus. We just kind of held on. Um, You know, it's going to take getting up earlier to go pray. It's going to take diving in deep into the Scriptures and going, where does Jesus want me to go? But don't make light of God's discipline. Rather, the Bible says rejoice, right? Romans 5, rejoice because you're going to gain the character of Christ and it will not disappoint you. It says, take joy, James 1, because you're going to be completed. God is bringing you back to that perfect relationship. That's what God's purpose is. That's what God's purpose is for the struggles, the things that make you most afraid to deal with. God's purpose is to bring you back to your intended nature. Are you dealing with them in that way? That should give us hope, right? That should help us see things as, well, this isn't isn't God against me. This isn't God punishing me, but this is God calling me to become more like Jesus so that I can know Him more and I can live out how I was really intended to be. Amen? This week in in my marriage, as a young married man, uh, I'm learning a lot. A lot. Um, And for the first four or five days of this week, we were like butting heads every day of the week. And I I was like, she is just... That woman... And, uh, you know, I was really wrestling with just, how do I need to see this? And it was making me so frustrated because I felt like even my prayers weren't being answered by God. Like, God, just please help us be unified. Help us get this help. And every time I'd go in there, I'd get advice. I'd go in there, and it wouldn't work. And then I'd get advice, I'd go in, and it wouldn't work. I just kept trying. I was getting so frustrated. I even got, I confessed where I said, I'm angry at God because he's not helping us. I just felt so frustrated. And it wasn't, you know, until a couple of days that God really showed me where my sin was. 
It, it really, I mean, take the woman out of the picture. I was still the sinful one. And God showed me, here's where you're missing it. Here's where you're fighting flesh and blood rather than fighting the spiritual battle. Here's where you're not really being humble and taking responsibility. Here's where you're not being gracious like Christ. And when I got that, I said, wow, you know, I I put those things into practice. I didn't necessarily want to. Part of me still wanted to be right. But I put them into practice, and you know what? Totally different. Healed it. And gave me a different perspective of how to approach these things. But it was, I want to think about this the way Jesus did. I want, to, I want to add to my character of being like Jesus right here. You know, lastly, the Bible says that we'll receive more when we obey this. When we, when we take the courage and the courageous steps to be more like Jesus in our areas of weakness, we're going to receive back more. Amen? The Bible says that we're going to receive holiness. That holiness isn't for God. It's for you. For you to know God. The Bible says you're going to see God when you're holy. It's for us to receive righteousness. That right relationship with God that Adam had, that Jesus had. It's for us to receive peace. You could translate peace as real happiness, contentment, peace in our hearts. You know, to strengthen your, your weak and feeble parts. I want you to just take a minute right now. 30 seconds. What are the weak and feeble parts in your life that you're most afraid to deal with? in your attitudes, in your character, in your relationships? What are the weak areas? What are the most feeble areas that you're really fearful to deal with? That are just, that kind of gut-wrenching fear comes up. What are some of those areas for you? That's exactly where God wants to go. That's where God wants to take you. God wants you to venture into those areas. God wants you to go there with repentance and what he calls self-denial. Denying what you want to do. Denying what you think is best. Denying what everything in your flesh screams, do this! You do the opposite. You do what Jesus said to do or what Jesus did in that situation. That's where you need to go. That's where change happens. Some of us have forgotten the refreshment of repentance. It's going to take great courage to decide to do things the way Jesus did in these areas. But when we do, it refreshes us. The real healing happens there. Amen? God will transform you. What God is really asking of you today is to deny the fallen nature and to take the courage and the courageous steps to to take on Christ's character, to take on where, where He intends you to grow. You know, in closing, it's going to take great courage to be like Jesus. If you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, it will cost you everything. But you'll receive back even more. A couple of practicals for us today. Maybe not. Okay, practicals today. Take time to write down the areas that you really don't see change in. Where are you unsatisfied? Is it in your attitude? Is it in some character? Is it it in some habits that you're just embarrassed about that you really haven't dealt with in the right way? Is it in relationships? And then do a Bible study on how Jesus approached these areas that you see need to change. And then decide to take the courageous steps to change them. To do different things differently. And don't let Satan sway you. Because he will. And he'll try. 
But tell somebody what you've seen in yourself and what steps you've decided to take. Amen? You know, finally, in your aim to be more like Jesus, be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous and be strong. Amen, brothers.